Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back or welcome to the Running Effect podcast. I'm your host, Dominic, and I'm very excited you clicked on today's episode because I get to speak with Stanford legend, with Australian legend, Kai Robinson. Kai has slowly cemented himself as one of the top runners in the NCAA over this past year, and I've been wanting to get him on the podcast since indoors of 2022. It's almost been a year, so to make this happen was so much fun. I had an awesome, thoughtful discussion with Kai surrounding his career. Uh, We specifically go deep into current, present day, and all the things that are going on with Stanford, uh, him personally, and all the exciting upcoming races, including the World XC uh, Cross Country Championships, where he'll be representing Australia, his home country, on his home land, Australia. They're hosting the championships there, which is super exciting to see. Can't wait to see how Kai does there. But needless to say, this is a very fun discussion and I'm confident you will enjoy it. I enjoyed it a ton and walked away from the conversation inspired and motivated all the more to chase after my goals. One quick note before we hop in, make sure you're following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review if you enjoy it. And if you really enjoy it and want to help a brother out, consider sharing with a friend or two or sharing on social media. Without further ado, let's get into today's conversation with the man, the myth, the legend, Kai Robinson. Kai, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. This one has been a long time in the making. An absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you for having me. It's good. It's currently raining out here in California, which is surprising, but it's a nice, nice refresher. So happy to be here. What is the ideal temperature for running, in, in your opinion, if you could choose? Oh, ideal temperature. Hmm. I'd probably, I'd say 70s. I like it warm. I mean, racing, obviously, it's nicer to be colder. Like, you're going to feel like run faster. But for an easy run, I'd say 70. For a workout or race, I'd probably go, like, mid-50s. I like that. And I no like wind. that assessment. No wind at all. Yeah. Wind, wind is what's brutal, especially on a workout. Yeah when you're trying to get turnover in and it's just like brutal in your face. You feel like you can't move. Those are the worst. Exactly. We had a tempo last night, um, me and Cole and Nolan, and it was probably like the first time in a f- like few months that we've had one with no wins, no nothing. It was felt so much better. So let's talk about that tempo. You ran 10 miles, 447 average. Um, what's that feeling like being able to clip off paces that I'm sure many of our listeners, that's like a mile PR for them. Yeah. I mean, I've never felt that good sort of thing. So I'm now transitioning a little bit back into cross country. So getting some more of that volume in for world cross halfway, like in two, three weeks. And so it was one of those ones where we went out, I say conservatively, like 451s through the first five miles, but that was just trying to be relaxed, trying to feel good. And we went through halfway and I literally felt like it was out for an easy run. So I was like, oh my goodness, I've never felt this good. Conditions, as I said, were perfect. And so that second half, we slowly just tried to pick it up, pick it up. And thankfully Cole was there with me. I managed to like put a little gap on him. And I thought he was stopping at eight miles because he only had eight mile tempo sort of like arranged, but then He felt good and there was a 10 meter gap from me to him and he kept trying to catch me and I kept trying to surge away to not run with him. So we were both pushing each other in that sort of way. But one of the best workouts I think we've ever done. So what's that 
feeling like? So obviously this was a little different because the Stanford team is kind of split right now where some guy, I mean, you guys are legit enough where you and Charles are going to World Cross. A bunch of guys are trying to get their NCAA qualifying marks on the track. Obviously, training for a World Cross 10K is way different from trying to run like low 350s in the mile. So you guys are doing a little bit different things, but like in the cross country season, you guys are all basically doing the same workout and you have a massive pack for that 10 mile tempo, which you do quite frequently uh, on a cycle. I'm curious, what's that that feeling and that camaraderie like for those workouts when you got like five to seven guys in a pack and you all are just pushing each other, trying to, to, trying to make it a productive day? Um, I mean, it's just amazing because you can like turn off. Like you don't have to focus the whole time. Like at 10 miles yesterday, I was always at the front because there's only two or three of us and so when there's seven of us in a pack you can you know rotate the lead sit back get pulled through have a like not a conversation but a little like chat with someone or like i don't know someone will drop a meme (laughs) mid-run and then yeah i guess tracks i feel like track the camaraderie actually comes out a little bit more just because we're rotating so quickly and you take 400 and then basically you're back at the back of the train and then you hop on and there's music blasting everyone's having a good time whereas cross country is almost like we're more focused and so we're always like drilled in and so i mean it's different now because we're all starting to like split apart and go to our event groups like that we wanted to focus on but we're all usually together except for yesterday so I'd, I'd say track is, track is more good vibes out here. <laughs> so in the Coach Santos rotation of workouts, what, what are some of your favorite ones and what are some of your like, least favorite ones? Do you enjoy the long stuff or do you enjoy you know, the turnover? Um, I sort of, it's like a mix of both. So the 10-mile tempos are just like a staple. Like I love those. And then the workouts I probably like prefer on track are all the short stuff. So like... 25 by 400 sounds amazing to me. Um, all the short stuff, like if we got 200s and 300s at the end of a workout, I'm I'm loving it just because <laughs> I love like basically giving them, you know, two meters head start and then trying to chase that down over 200 because it's a fair bit when all the boys are full out sprinting. Um, but I guess my favorite workout, like the toughest one we've ever done, it's the one they actually did yesterday that I missed out on. And so when we did it last year, bodies were hitting the floor halfway through. Like we literally got told before the workout, hey, we got 10, um, 10 400s after like an all out 600. And the goal is basically survive. And the whole team was in it. Like there was no groups. And it was one of those ones where if you survived, you knew you were in shape. And if you didn't, it's not like a testament to saying that you're like out of shape. It's just how ridiculous like the people up front were and i think last year out of probably like 15 of us i want to say maybe four or five finished and that's <laughs> that's a testament to how hard we were going and then i was talking with thomas and the rest of the guys last night at dinner and they were all saying like that was crazy like it seemed like everyone finished basically except for maybe one or two and i mean that's a true testament to you know the progress we've made in that one year and it's a bit it's a bit like frustrating for some people because i feel like they've like 
still see there's like a gap between some people and them. But if you like look at like the progress, like if you compare them now to us last year, they're like leagues ahead of us. And so it's one of those ones where, you know, when you're a bit further back on the team, you might be frustrated because you don't realize like how good of a shape you're in just in comparison to some like Charles or something. So one of my favorite quotes is, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. I think it's completely true. And you certainly see that in your own career or in the lives of the Stanford student athletes where you guys are all excellent individuals in what you do. And because of that, you all elevate each other to another level. Specifically, I think what gets the most talked about is you, Cole, and um, Charles. Like the three of you are just like, always trying to push one another to be better. So what's it like to be surrounded by a culture of excellence on the track, on the grass, in every easy run, and every workout, everyone's trying to make each other a better version of themselves? Yeah, I mean, it, it's great. As I said before in the workout, you can like zone out and those guys will pull you through. And then when they maybe like switch off for a little bit, you can pull them through. And so it's something where, you know, we're friends both on and off the track. So it's really something like we enjoy doing this. We're with our friends. And so we want to be there. We want to be getting better. And, you know, we're starting to add more people into the mix. Like for one, Thomas Boyden, I feel like he's come up after last year. He had a few, you know, um, injuries, I'll say. And then this year he's put his name out there. He went sub four in the mile with us a couple of weeks ago, like pretty comfortably. And so I feel like it's it's going to turn into a big four, big five soon, you know, there's, there's room for more and we're happy to take in. So if we can get more of our, our friends, our teammates pushing us, it makes our job easier. And so, as you said, we got five of us we become the average of that. We're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so speaking of that mile race you were talking about in relation to Thomas, where he broke four, it was at the university of Washington. You ended up winning it. I want to say in three fifty five. Cole and Thomas were behind you. Obviously, it's incredible to run that fast of a time individually, but you see in the video, you cross the finish line, you're excited to win, you're excited to run a fast time, but immediately you turn around, see your teammates, and you're very excited for them. So setting aside even your personal progress, what's it like to see your teammates, and at this point, close friends and almost brothers with the amount of time you spend with them, you know, reach their goals, achieve their goals, and you're kind of pulling them along to that point? It's... It's, it's honestly, it's, it's could be better than winning like individually. Just looking back, I saw Cole and I saw Thomas and I saw no one else across the line yet. And I was, I was just like ecstatic. And I was knew like, they obviously broke four if I went that far under. And so, you know, after that, the warm down, I don't think like we'd ever been that happy. Like the whole team just had like a huge runner's high. Everyone seemed to have raced well that day. John also broke four. He was a little bit further back, but he still finally also had that breakout race that he's been looking for since high school. And so it's a real confidence booster for everyone. And it sort of shows like, hey, we haven't been focusing on the mile and we just went and broke four. Like, yeah, the NCAA is getting better and better each day. Like that's still like a huge achievement in itself. And so it's something I guess we need, we like, sat down afterwards and we're all just basically like celebrating like oh my goodness <laughs> we, we finally did it like we went from no one on the team and broken four to four people within the span of 
three minutes 58 so that's awesome so what do you think separates stanford from other schools or even like what do you think makes the stanford team special like having been a part of it what do you think makes the culture special there i feel like everyone here is always like dedicated so like we're always giving like our all to something like some people it may be like you spend one quarter where you're focused on academic work and that happens but when we switch on and we pay full attention to you know cross country and track i feel like it like really starts to shine like how like good we can be and so you know obviously stanford's not having as much fun as an sec school or something like that but when we get those like good results we can finally like relax and have that fun and so I feel like that sort of like balance of like work life, like we focus, we focus, we focus. And then when that like stress comes off the shoulders, it's, it's honestly like a better feeling in my eyes than just trying to balance like both. And if that makes sense, mm-hmm. I, don't, I no. don't know if that really does. No, it totally makes sense. Um, I'm, I'm sticking with that answer. <laughs> no, I love it. Um, out of curiosity, off the track, off the grass, when you guys aren't running, what are some of your favorite things to do on Stanford's campus with the team? Ooh. We've been getting into a fair bit of fall guys recently. So we just, just got a projector for our like little room. And last night we were up, like got the Xbox connected to it, playing some fall guys. We've had like little i guess we golf sessions <laughs> in these rooms where you know we're going around we're trying to like set up an actual golf day like go to top golf or something or just a driving range so i guess that um other than that i'm a big fan of just putting my legs up and sort of kicking back rather than going and doing anything physical so who's the most athletic kid on the team like setting running aside who like you know if you played spike ball, pickleball, like football, basketball, that you would choose that guy. Like this guy is just a stud athlete. I'm throwing my name in the mix. Really? Okay. Big, every, everything probably except for like basketball. I feel like I'd be pretty good at. I obviously, haven't played football coming from Australia, but I'd I'd say the Topper Twins. They're very like competitive. So they're like always trying to play football with someone. And then, yeah, usually it's Rob and I. We're like the prime spike ball duo. I don't think anyone's beaten us except for Josh Schumacher and a recruit like last year. So when spring comes around, every Sunday we're going to be out on, we call it Manzanita Field. It's just down the road. We'll set up that spike ball net and we'll just start running it for the whole day, like after a long run. Well, if I get into Stanford, I find out April 1st and I attend there this fall and you're still there. Big spike ball tournaments coming your way. I love spike ball. I think I'll, it's so I'll fun. I'll set it up. I'll set it up. Yeah. What, what's your favorite part about spike ball and what were your first impressions when you first started playing? Because when I first started playing, I was like, this game's neat, but it's not like over the top and now after having played it so many times i'm like this game is incredible it's my favorite game yeah i kind of saw it and i was like oh that's gonna be like easy to exploit like you can just tap it and then like it doesn't bounce but then like as you start getting 
better and better players you like they like start to recognize like the drop shots and right like they can mix it up like left and right hand and so i feel like that's something whenever i'm versing rob he's really good at like disguising that right yeah and so it's really nice like I'm a, I'm a big defense guy and then rob's like always the offense when whenever we play but i think it's a great game like i'll, I'll put it up there with like probably the top one of the top sports if, I it, agree. if it categorizes as a sport rather than activity i'm just with you. like it's like hand-eye coordination there's like tactics you're obviously like running around diving so there's some aerobic capacity there like if i could go pro in something <laughs> other than running it's spike ball <laughs> i love that i love that spike ball give uh, kai robinson an nil deal for all the executives who listen to the podcast um so I do want to talk about, you know, a few different things. I think this past week, you may have known longer, you were officially selected to the world cross-country team for your home country, Australia. What makes it special is it's being hosted in Australia, which is pretty neat. Did you even know that it was a possibility that you could possibly be selected for this? I mean, a few years ago, it was one of those ones where I was racing for that U20 spot and missed out by, I think it was two positions. And I was like, oh, maybe I can make it next time I'm U20s. And then when that got canceled because of COVID, I'm like, oh, I guess I guess that, that shot's out of the window now. But then, you know, as I progressed, I was like, wait a second, I have a chance to go race the senior race at home. And so obviously I had to have a few conversations with that coach, like talking about it because it's falling in the middle of the indoor season, as we know. And so got selected, you know, a couple of days ago, like officially. And it's one of those ones where like, okay, well, thankfully we've got like a qualifier in the five. And obviously we don't have that 3K, unfortunately, because race the other week didn't go as, as planned. And now we sort of got to like realign focus a tiny bit. Obviously we're still going to be getting fitter, like, there's nothing bad about training for a 10k and then coming down to a 3k because speed you can get pretty quickly and so getting to go home getting to race on a home course even though it's you know a new course i've never been to bathurst where it's being held it's something where a couple of my friends and like running community family can all like drive down or fly down and support me and so it's it's going to be something special so speaking of Australia, can you go back way back in time to your beginning in the sport in Australia? How did you get introduced to running and did you enjoy it when you first got into it? Or was it like, yeah, I'll stick to something else? It, it's a love-hate relationship. So I guess I like always ran. We sort of have like carnivals that start from fourth grade. So you like do like school cross country. So like you race everyone in your school. And then you go through like the district and then region and state and national. And so I'd always made it from to a state, but I'd never made it part like on that state team. I'd never made it past. And it was something where I never trained for it. It was just, oh yeah, I'm playing soccer. I'm playing cricket, volleyball, every, every sport there was under the sun for me, tennis, I guess. And I just feel like, oh yeah, I'll add another one in. And I'd never, I never wanted to train for it. And then we'll just fast forward to 10th grade. My high school gets like two new coaches, 
both of them like old boys in my school and they went to Boise State. And so they like saw me at one of like the races and they realized, wait, this guy goes to the school we're coaching at. And basically they come up to me and they're like, you need to come to this. And I'm like, no chance. <laughs> I'm not doing that. Like, I remember our like director of cross country, Michael Symes, he'd always like pull people out of science class basically to be like, hey, I want you in cross country. And whenever he'd walk past your like classroom, everyone would be like heads under the desks. Yeah, <laughs> he's going to pull you to the side. And so I guess the two coaches like saw me, managed to pull me and I think it was my dad's to the side. And my dad loved the idea and I hated it. And so that first year, it was it was terrible. I was didn't want to be there. I was constantly like not causing trouble, but just like, man, this sport sucks. Like, it's not really a sport. Like, <laughs> why am I doing this? This is so much worse than every other thing I do. And then I guess at the end of that year, I had success. I finally made a state team and I'm like, oh, maybe this isn't so bad. And, you know, when you when you start to have success, it's obviously a little bit better. And so I'm like, oh, OK, maybe maybe I'll actually like invest in this and start start doing it legitimately. And so I made it to my first nationals meet. Um, it was on my like home states course. And I went out there two weeks before nationals and ran like a practice like race that was at that course. And I got smoked like. It was a 6K. It's the hilliest course I've ever seen. Like, puts makes OSU look flat. Um, <laughs> wow, that's that's a challenge right yeah, there. Yeah, that's saying something. Like, people literally walk up this, like, final hill. Um, and I think I ran, like, a 22, 23-minute 6K. Like, absolutely died over that second half for, like, the seventh, eighth place in, like, a local run. And this is two weeks out from our national meeting. I'm like, what am I like? I'm going to get absolutely pumped, like never made it this far. And yeah. And so my coach pulled me to the side and he's like, Hey, this is like one course where you can't race it this way. You literally have to like sprint the downhills on the second lap and just hang back in the first. And so fast forward two weeks, we come through, it's two, three K laps and I come through the first three K I'm probably in the bottom 20, like out of, 180 people and we go up this hill that people literally walk up and we get to the top of it and i just sprint down and i look up as i like i'm dodging through people and all of a sudden i'm in fourth place i'm like wait i don't feel that tired this time and so like course goes on you just see everyone off the back dying as i did two weeks before and end up finishing in fourth, like overtook one person, someone else overtook me. And I'm like, wait a second, I'm fourth in the nation. And that includes a New Zealand guy who won it. And so that was sort of the moment where I'm like, hey, I could, I could have a good shot at this, like in the future, if I start getting my act together and, you know, focusing on one thing. And so obviously started training like crazy under the new coaches and managed to get fourth the next year again in like a different course style, I guess, and stuck with it. So 
rest is history. Yeah, you yeah. kind of you kind of documented, chronicled your your journey in the sport there. But uh, you know, adding on to it, you slowly became one of the best runners, U eighteen runners in Australia. You know, in foreign countries, when you're one of the best runners, generally you come over come over to the NCAA system. That's exactly what you did. My question for you is, why Stanford? What stood out about the program, the school, that made you want to go there over the, whatever it is, 150 other NCAA Division One schools? I guess for me, it was something where I wanted that academic side. Both my coaches were like, hey, you got the ability and you got like the academic side to get into Stanford, like a place like Stanford. And they were like adamant, like if you ever get an offer there, you got to take it. And so, I mean, I was obviously discussing with other schools and whatnot like that, but as soon as Rick finally like dropped an offer for me, I like quickly called the parents. I'm like, hey, is this okay? And they're like, yes, absolutely. And called Rick back and was like, hey, yes, like I'm in, like (laughs) don't even think about like cutting ties with every other school right now. And so, I guess for me, it was like Stanford has basically everything I could have wanted in terms of like weather, um, academics, running. And I guess I couldn't tell then because I didn't get to do a visit, but the team, like chemistry is great. So what more could you ask for? Right, exactly. So uh, you you were pretty good when you first came onto the campus, but you've come a long way to where you're at today, um, where you're now a force to be reckoned with. You know, you won Nutty Comb in the fall. A few months later, um, you ran thirteen eleven indoors. Then you know, a month later, you ran three fifty five. Like you are legitimately one of the top guys in the NCAA, and definitely can be one of those guys who can win an NCAA title in the coming months. What happened in those few short years from where you were like a guy in the NCAA to now one of the best in the NCAA? Like, what do you attribute that progress to? I couldn't really tell you. I mean, obviously, like mileage starts bumping up and I feel like the guys on the team sort of like elevated me. And so going back to that quote you said before, how you're the average of the five closest people around you. When I first came onto the team, there wasn't that many of us just because of COVID and some people didn't come back to campus and some people were out injured. And so I remember that first race, we went down to Florida, obviously didn't get to make the A race. I was thrown in the B one. And then I think I got fourth in that. And I was like, oh, that's not too bad for like a first collegiate thing. I think I ran like 25 minutes for the AK. And I was like, oh, that's a minute PR for me i've only ran one 8k before that but still like a minute pr so i was i was pretty chuffed with that and then two weeks later we fly out to vegas we go again and i i think it was a night before they finally bumped the amount of people in the a race from eight per team to ten and i got that like call up to be the ninth i guess and my coach just told me like hey just go with callum and try hang for as long as you can and so went out with him and finished, you know, late thirties, I want to say, and ended up running 24 minutes. I was like, oh, that's another minute. Like, yeah, every cross country course is different, but still like, I'll take that. And then I think I beat one of the people who were originally in the 
top eight on that one. And so a few weeks later, we had Pac-12s up in Washington and I was sort of just like, oh yeah, I've made like the Pac-12 team. Like, this is sick. I'm one of the best runners like on the team, which is something I wanted to do like third, fourth year in. And then all of a sudden we get to like that race and I like went off basically. And I ended up finishing, I think it was eighth in the Pac-12. And I was like, wait a second. I'm like number four on the team now. And so I guess that was like the big breakthrough race. I want to say like ran 23 minutes for that. So another like minute PR and granted the course was short, but we'll take it. We'll take it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it was, that was sort of like the moment I was like, oh my goodness, like I'm better than I thought I was coming in. Like I actually belong here because there was a lot of like times where I'm like, oh my, like, I don't know if I'm good enough to be here. Like I'm kind of like the random that nobody sort of knew of because I wasn't in the US like high school running system. And so I guess I almost had like a point to prove there. And I just wanted to be like better than the Australians who had done it before me. And so I wanted to do that by my fourth year. And here I am in my third with like the potential to equal some of like the greats, I guess. So it seems like that progress wouldn't have been possible if you weren't dedicated and focused on the journey, Um, you know, focused on the journey rather than the outcomes. Because if you only focused on the outcomes, it seems like you probably would have been a lot slower in your progression given how far up you started to how low you are now. And there's a quote that I love. It's the man who loves walking will walk further than the man who loves the destination. When you fall in love with the journey, everything else takes care of itself. So in your career, how important and crucial has it been to, to focus on the journey and the process of your own personal running journey? I feel like it's pretty important. Like it's always something where my goal was always, I want to be one better than that person. It wasn't like I want to be the best. It's just I want to slowly like progress up because if you keep getting better, there's always that like positive feeling you get regardless of if like you have a bad race or something. Like you know you're improving. And so I feel like a lot of people just focus on, hey, I didn't win. Like I suck. Whereas my my whole attitude was always I didn't win but look how far I've come. Like that's, that's insane to me. And so I guess the goal now, like there's no more, I want to be the best on my team. Like the best on the team changes every day for us. Like it's never, it's never the same person. Maybe in cross it's, it's Charles, but you know, it can, it can fluctuate. And so now it's sort of like, how do we elevate each other to be the best? And it's something where, we're loving the journey like our tempo we did yesterday if we saw that like a year ago we wouldn't have like believed it and then that tempo that we did a year ago if we saw that a year before that it's not the one where we wouldn't have believed it and so just like going and celebrating all those short victories of you know the journey of progressing it's it's fantastic kind of going off of that you know, from from young Kai who detested running his first year, being forced into doing it, 
to where you're at today where you do these incredible workouts, you back it up with incredible results on both the grass and the track. Again, you're one of the top guys in the NCAA right now. How often do you reflect on how far you've come in this sport and how meaningful is it to you even sitting here thinking back now of how much progress has been made from that kid who hated running to now that kid who is one of the top runners, not only in the NCAA, but so good that Australia is now selecting you to represent them on a world level. I feel like it's something I don't fully like reflect on that often, like going all the way back. It's sort of like I reflect on a year or two before, but you know, now when I start to think, hey, five years ago, I was almost like a nobody. And now I'm a, I'm a somebody. And so I guess it's something that you know, it's it's heartwarming just being able to see the progress like I've made. And it's almost like I don't fully like believe it. I'm like, I'm going to wake up like soon and just be like, oh, yeah, that that never happened. But that was like a pretty good dream. And so to just be able to like pinch myself and be like, oh, this is real. That's something like that's that's surreal. And so hopefully the journey's still going and it's not something that's that's ending soon and we can keep keep on improving and in a couple of years time i can even look back at this day and be like i thought i was so good <laughs> but look what i've managed to become right that's the mindset that's the mindset that's the goal. yeah i love that um so for anyone listening here whether they're from australia from the us from somewhere in europe kenya whatever it might be a kid that looks up to you, sees your progression, sees a kid, as you say, was a nobody, now you're a somebody. What would you say to those kids who want to do some of the things that you've done in the sport, but are maybe doubting themselves or lacking the confidence that they can make those jumps? I feel like you got to stay patient. It's something where, you know, we see it sometimes when people come onto the Stanford team and they expect results from day one. It's something where they'll slowly come over time. And so you, you obviously don't want to rush into like 150 mile weeks <laughs> at, at the start because then you're just never going to see those results until miles down the down the track. And so it's one of those ones where you got to make those like little steps, the little increments, and then just remain focused. Obviously, you know, days, some days it gets tough. Like when I'm on my own and I don't have other guys to sort of like, motivate me or like push me or be like hey do you want to go for a run it's one of those ones where that's when like a true champion's made that's when you need to go out there and just be like hey i need to switch on like if this is what i want to do if i want to be good at this i need to like have that moment basically every day and so it's like you got to fight off those demons i guess we call them and so if you can if you can do that, if you can keep doing that over a prolonged period of time, the results are like guaranteed to show. So you've mentioned Coach Santos a few times in this episode. Love Coach Santos, such an awesome guy, uh, an awesome coach, but also an awesome human being. What are the biggest lessons you've learned from him uh, over these past few years of being under his guidance? Um, I guess trust. Trust for one, like... It's something where some people like sort of question something when it's not going well. And then when it suddenly clicks and goes right, it's like, 
he had this like in in the back of his mind the whole time and so you know my 3k the other day didn't go to plans and obviously we want to get a qualifier there but it's one of those ones where i'm like i know like i can rely on him i can trust him that when the time comes we'll we'll be there and then yeah i guess he sort of just like creates that like team culture like leading from the front that's sort of like we know how to like be i guess goofy and like have fun but like we're focused when it counts like it's one of those ones he's obviously he'll preach to the whole team like don't listen to the outside noise don't do any of that and you know that's tough as as a top athlete when you get you know tagged in something or like you hear someone mention your name let's run starts a thread or a comment about you and you know someone's always gonna basically see that and so i guess for him we're now working on you know working under pressure type of thing and i think that's something that i've always been able to do like when the pressure's you know there i feel like i perform better but there's obviously the people who are the opposite and struggle under that so that's that's i guess our next our next goal so looking ahead to the future, many incredible races on tap. You have the the World XC Championships, but also, you know, NCAA indoors, NCAA outdoors, hopefully. And then even last summer, I think you shocked some people. If I'm not mistaken, you represented Australia in Eugene at the World Championships in the 5K. So I don't think it's too uh, far-fetched to say you may be uh, going to Budapest this summer. So like, what excites you most about this sport currently? What races do you dream about? And uh, what's your overall outlook on this upcoming year? Um, I guess the goal, if anything, is to try to replicate what happened in Eugene. Like, as soon as that race finished, I couldn't believe, like, I was in pure shock. Yeah, I didn't make it through to the final, but there was a chance I did. And I was managed, I was with, you know, some of the all-time greats of the sport up until... 200 to go and so it's something where now if i have the opportunity to try do the same thing in budapest in a couple of months that's absolutely what i'm looking forward to that's the main goal like sure like i'm not going to diss world cross because it's still a world event but for me track is infinitely times better than than cross country and so you know, the main goal is to go to one of those world championships, Olympics, that type of thing. And, you know, play, play like with the big dogs out there. And so if I can, you know, make it through to a final, that's, that's, I guess, my next, next goal. And if I can do that, then who knows, anything can happen in a, in a final. And so it's one of those ones where I guess I got to make those little steps on the way like NCAA indoors obviously had a great time last year want to go do that again and then outdoors we'll have a lot of home meets which is even more fun for us and so hopefully we can get some qualifiers there and then get some more more people from the team not just me out to out to Hungary so one final serious question for you what does the sport of running mean to you and, and what has what impact and effect has it had on your life so far it's had a huge impact i mean it got me into stanford primarily like i don't think i would have ever 
applied to a US college if it wasn't for running. So that's obviously the first step that it's given me this opportunity to start a career that millions of people would, you know, long for. And then I guess even more recently, it's changed running from something where it was a sport I like played and wanted to, you know, participate in. I obviously wanted to be good, but I never really saw myself as, hey, I can make a career out of this. And so now with, you know, those opportunities on the horizon, it's something where now I can, you know, focus a little bit less on the academic side of things, obviously still get a degree. I'm not not leaving Stanford without a degree, but it's something where it's opened like a whole new plethora of opportunities to me. And I'd take being outside running and doing a sport that I now love any day over being in say an office working on i don't know some finance sheets or something (laughs) totally well kai this conversation has been a ton of fun uh to to top off the conversation we're going to go through some instagram questions submitted by our followers uh i will not be saying their usernames as i most likely will not be able to pronounce them because some people have some wild (laughs) usernames first question best part about running for stanford best part i'd say the team like the best part is just going out there and having fun for us like as i said these guys these guys are my best friends and so you know when we go out for a long run and we're out there for almost two hours it's one of those things where there's never a dull moment like we're always out there having fun we're always talking about something and laughing like we've if you if you got to like listen to some of the like conversations you have like guaranteed like dead on the floor laughter <laughs> just because we we got some we got some funny guys on the team that's what makes the sport special like running doesn't last forever but the relationships do and the memories specifically do um exactly and running wouldn't be fun if you didn't have those opportunities to to run run fast but also you know go on a long run with the boys and and have a good few laughs along the way um a question that made me crack up speaking of laughing who would win in a fight hand to hand charles or kai hand to hand hmm maybe we should get this going <laughs> after um, the season you know charles obviously like bigger than me stronger but i i think i think i could take him always got to bet on yourself yeah i mean i'm not i'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, pipe myself up for being a fighter. But it's one of those things where, you know, I'm I'm better than him at spike ball. I feel like I've got a little bit better hand-eye coordination. And so hopefully maybe maybe the reach is a little bit longer. Who knows? <laughs> but, we'll, have to, we'll have to set that one up in the yeah. future. Strength strengthy beats me though. I'll I'll give him that. <laughs> Uh, another question. So much young talent is coming to join Stanford next year. How excited are you for that? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, with with the Youngs, we got Milo Skipinski committed now, and we got some recruits visiting today. And so it's one of those ones where, you know, the future's bright. It's not it's not dwindling out. And so to have guys join the team already at the level of us is is outstanding. Another question: If you weren't a runner, what would you be doing? Ooh. I mean, obviously, I said spike ball before. But <laughs> I wouldn't have got that without 
without running. Um, I'd probably just be focusing on academics, to be honest, if, if I wasn't running. Just probably would have went somewhere in Australia just for university and yeah would have been the next partying steve jobs i'm oh, not running partying and academics <laughs> um another question i'm actually very curious about this question what are your favorite foods from back home Ooh, lamb lamb's like one of the number ones just because i feel like the u.s like we just don't have that meat over here like it's it's kind of like i don't want to say delicacy because that kind of puts like a different connotation on it but it's it's more like rare how different so, how different is u.s food versus australia like when you came over was it was it a change a big drastic change or not really not really i'd say the u.s is more like obviously you guys have mexican a fair bit over here like that because it's right on your border but i guess for like australia i feel like our food's almost like more multicultural like we steal from more like different places so back at home there was a lot of curries like thai curries indian south african curries for me and so that was like a pretty big staple back home and then as i said before lamb like the lamb roast i miss that like on a sun on a sunday night there's nothing better um and then i guess snacks there's like similar things but nothing will be like, for me, there's like a brand of, I guess you guys would almost call them like crackers called Arnott's Shapes. And so that was always the go-to for me back in the day. So I've, I've got a couple of them in the, in the cupboard in my dorm. And so it's one of those ones where they, they come out when I'm feeling good. <laughs> After a 10 mile tempo at 457, got to reward yeah. yourself. Um, exactly. We'll end off this conversation uh, with the question I ask every single guest. Uh, the question is, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? Okay. Um, it's a fancy way of saying what, what's, what are you best at cooking? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'd go for a, like a chicken satay over like rice. I feel like that, that would be my go-to. I like or, it. I mean... Spaghetti bolognese, obviously, you can't mess with that. But oh, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna scratch those two. I'm going teppanyaki. What is that? Is that an Australian dish? Uh, it's like it's like a Japanese. It's like cabbage, but you like make it into like cake. So it's like you mix like cabbage and like eggs and flour. I feel like I made it like a couple like after my family went to Japan for holidays once. We had it there, and we're like, this is amazing. And so we came back and we tried to like recreate it like on online recipes and so mom my sister and i i feel like we've made that a few times and it's always a fun one to make and it always tastes good so we'll have to give it a go yeah well you sound like quite the cook so i have to ask are you the best cook on the stanford team we don't cook here so it's one of those <laughs> ones where right now i'd probably be terrible at making and making it you know we just we just go to the dining hall for almost every meal or if not we just go to like somewhere close we rarely like cooking i guess we try cook up some like chicken pesto pasta like whenever we have like a race on that's at home and we don't want to uber eats some like italian food but yeah i i wouldn't put myself up there as like one of the best cooks i feel like 
I have my dishes and I stick to them. Like I could, I could live off the same four or five dish rotation for the rest of my life, but in no way am I, am I throwing myself as one of the best cooks? <laughs> I'm not the worst though. There you I'll, go. I'll say that. There you go. Well, Kai, this has been an absolute pleasure. It's such a fun podcast. We'll have to get you back on the future. My sincere best wishes for World Cross and all the races coming up, but appreciate you doing this. Thank you very much for having me. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I greatly appreciate your time and taking time out of your busy life to listen to the podcast. I hope it influenced you positively. And if you did enjoy the podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcast. Make sure you're following the show so you never miss another episode. Share the show with a friend or two and even share it on social media. Doing those things greatly helps us reach new people and hopefully inspires them through the process of them finding the show and listening to the podcast. Uh, I greatly appreciate your time in listening to the show. I don't take your time for granted and I know everyone has a busy life so I hope my podcast has brought you value today. Uh, I'm looking forward to releasing more episodes in the future. Generally we release two episodes per week so again make sure you're following on your preferred podcast platform so you never miss another episode. I appreciate you greatly. You can always send me an email or a DM if you have any questions, feedback, positive or negative. I'm always here for it so I greatly appreciate your time. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will catch you all in next week's episode.